This is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on this special episode of Wandering DMs, we have as a guest Mark Greenberg from Necromancer Games, who's going to talk about the new revision that he's authored to the classic Gary Gygax adventure, Necropolis. Um, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Yep. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. So we were having, you know, one of our great chats before we even got started live here today. And of course, I think the thing that people might know you for, Mark, is that you've previously co-authored for Frog God Games, uh, The World of the Lost Lands, which is a giant tome that's right, right behind Mark's head there, uh, that there compiles all of the Frog God uh, Games adventures into one campaign setting. Uh, which is, it sounds like, an, 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 I haven't seen it, but it sounds like an amazing work uh, to get to compile there for Frog God. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a, uh, it, it was a challenge. I, I still like to say that, you know, Bill Webb, who's the principal owner of Frog God, basically said to everybody, so uh, who wants to uh, do this project? And, you know, you know, I was the only guy who like, you know, everyone else took a step back and I'm the only guy who forgot to. So <laughs> um, I was given the task, uh, but it was, it was a, it was, incredible and titanic and you know worked with about six or seven authors a whole bunch of artists uh phenomenal cartographer and it took over a year to compile um fortunately i had some 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 excellent background material um that uh, greg vaughn had put together beforehand but it was still i mean it's you don't own it go buy it it's (laughs) and, and and it is it is basically just a it's a compendium of the world. And it was a lot of fun to do, especially since, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was my first project for Necromancer Games. So that's why you didn't know it to take the step back. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're huge fans of all the Frog God stuff. And we had uh, Matt Finch on a couple weeks back, which was great to talk yep. about uh, their current project. And we've had the opportunity to play with Bill Webb a couple times and we've run Rap and Athic, you know, for, for our own mm-hmm. games at home and stuff like that. So it's a great, great, great bunch of people. And they're always helpful when we want to book a guest for, <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> so super, super folks at Frog on. So anyway, we're, what we're here to talk about today, of course, is uh, the new uh, revision to the classic adventure Necropolis, originally by Gary Gygax. And uh, that's currently on Kickstarter. And we have, if you're watching on YouTube, you can find a link in the YouTube description uh, that'll take you right there. Or you can just do a web search for Kickstarter Necropolis, and I'm pretty sure the very first hit will take you there. So an, an iconic adventure. Right there you go. Oh, great. Thank you so much. So an iconic adventure, right? And I, yeah. I already have a couple of copies myself. I have uh, the 1992 uh, Dangerous Journeys version of Necropolis with Gary Gygax's name on the cover. Uh, Necromancer did a version in 2002 for the third edition rules, and now right. um, with, with you at the head, Mark, you've got a version coming out that supports both fifth edition and also the Swords and Wizardry rule set that we're huge fans of. 
Um, yep. uh, how, um, tell us how the Kickstarter is going. Is that, uh, is that successful? Or are you, are you, um, Kickstarter is doing well. I think, I think we're, we're, we're a bit over 70,000. We got a bunch of stretch goals that I'd, I'd really like to hit. Uh, but we're, we're sort of in those doldrums right now, sort of in the middle of the campaign. So, um, you know, which always happens. We had an incredible first couple of days. You know, we, we funded within, I'm not, I'm not even sure it took an hour to fund be honest wow. Uh, wow. but we're, we're currently at the the you know sort of in the middle we've got um, I think it ends on the um, the 21st I think uh, someone will hopefully correct me if I'm wrong maybe in the comments um, but uh, you know so we've got some time still so anybody wants to back uh, there are some really cool stretch goals that I would really like to hit um, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed we we, we get there but you know it, it's 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 I don't know, it's like whatever it is, it's 500 and something percent funded. So it's happening, you know, nobody has to worry that this isn't going to happen. That's so. fantastic. And, and we're, you know, more than happy to give it additional attention. And if any, if this is the first time anybody heard, I, so I assume there's there's lots and lots of interest around this classic adventure. Um, and if anybody hadn't heard of it, please go and, and join the Kickstarter um, uh, right after the show here. And our, our good friend William is confirming that you've got the, you've got the date right there. It is the 21st that it ends. So another, another two <laughs> weeks or so. Um, yep. tell us, tell us about these, uh, tell us about the, the, the core book. So what is, what comes with the, with the basic product? Well, you know, the, 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 the core book is, 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 um, it's enormous. And, and, and if you're familiar with the, um, the, uh, the prior versions, uh, the Dangerous Journeys version that Game Designers Workshop put out, or the prior Necromancer games, it, it, it's almost, you know, it's almost a mini source book in, in many ways, as well as being sort of an adventure. Um, you know, it is tied into the the World of the Lost Lands, so if you have that, um, it takes place in the country of Kemet, which. You know, for those who know, is obviously a uh, uh, an ancient name for for Egypt as well, uh, and it is and it is based heavily upon the Egyptian mythology. Um, Gary did a lot of research. Uh, I think uh, son Luke has commented uh, how much research he remembers his father doing uh, to create this. And having been through it, I can I can confirm that there is a lot of of, of research that went into it. But you've got some background about Kemet. Uh, you've got uh, a town that you start in, but there's even information that you might, you know, use if your party is not anywhere near Kemet, how you might get there. Um, lots of opportunities for role-playing, uh, some overland adventures, uh, some puzzles to solve, obviously, um, and, um, and uh, a temple to explore, a whole bunch of tombs, and then maybe at the end there's a big tomb, you know, possibly. <laughs> So I would guess. I mean, I've, 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 um, I have uh, play tested good chunks of this, and my personal take on, on this is that if if you want to play the whole thing through and you play, you know, a couple times, you know, two three times a month, or you know, maybe even four, maybe maybe every week, you've got months of material in this thing, um, hours and hours and hours. You know, it, it just it, it should be it, it should be a lot of fun and so far everybody who's play tested it seemed to enjoy it so you know uh, but there's there, there's a lot in it it's it's you know if you have the if you have the old versions you can see a lot of the the storyline is is a 
effectively the same, although I did make a fair number of changes. But the basic plot outline is, 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 is still there, still intact. There's still somebody named uh, Rahotep that you're worried about for various reasons. Uh, that's great, because as I recall, the, the original publication, uh, the Dangerous Journeys publication, I think the official title was actually Necropolis and the Lands of Egypt, um, which was, you know, so it was, it was an adventure, but it was also a source book for the nation of Egypt that Gary was building out for his fantasy Earth at the time. And, yeah, I you think, know, a couple, I think, a couple I think of much, our, yeah. Much like a, a lot of things that Gary online, did. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. A couple of our friends online, such as Alan Growey on Facebook, specifically wanted us to ask you, did you keep the campaign wilderness component? So it's glad it's glad to hear that you did. Oh, yeah. No, it's it is still there. Yeah. G Gary tended to do things like like switch vowels, obviously. So his land of Egypt was Egypt, A-E-G-Y-P-T. I can't remember if, he, if it was Egyptus. And then I think that was for his intended campaign world of Earth, A-E-R-T-H. I think, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, that is th th that that outdoor encounter is there, still there. It has just it's just been moved into the world of the lost lands, uh, but 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 it is it is still there. Let's take a little detour because we so every single episode we need to talk about pronunciations because we've been reading all these things <laughs> for decades and then we get online and all three of us realize that we've been pronouncing them differently. So you're helping me out because I, I was that that combined a e vowel that Gary uses for Earth and Egypt. I was always kind of unclear about how to pronounce that. And oh, I also understand we've, there's, a, there's a dispute about how to pronounce the name of the uh, infamous uh, lord that got buried in the tomb. So how are yeah, you pronouncing yeah. that? You know, for whatever reason, I, started, I just started pronouncing it uh, Rahotep. But you know, I, think, I think Rahotep might be technically a more accurate pronunciation if you want to follow um, ancient Egyptian. But of course, we're also really not entirely sure how ancient Egyptian was pronounced. There's just some guesses that scholars have. Um, right. but, um, but, but, but I've always gone with, with, with the accent on, on the first syllable, Rahotep. But you know, if you want to say Rahotep, that's, that's okay too. Of course, the irony is, is that, as I think others have pointed out, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Rahotep actually suggests somebody who is a worshiper of or, or, or involved with the god Ra, um, which I can suggest is not really the case in this adventure. So I'm not entirely sure why that name was chosen other than for historical reasons. Uh, and, and there was actually, there was actually a, a, an Egyptian prince who went by that name, um, uh, Rahotep. It actually is an historical, uh, historical name. For, for those players. of our viewers who haven't uh, don't ha don't have the background here, of course, uh, uh, Rahotep is uh, is uh, shown up on the show a few times um, when uh, Dan and I ran the uh, uh, last Halloween ran a game uh, live play of the Tomb of Rahotep by uh, Alan Lucian, right? Um, and then and then of course the big you know the big piece of information that I'm sure everyone watching the show knows is that that eventually evolved into, of course, the Tomb of Horrors and uh, the Lich Lord Aserak. Aserak? Yeah, and and now, I, now, I'm, now I'm second guessing if I'm saying his name right. I always <laughs> say Aserak. Yeah, yeah, okay. No. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and in, fa in fact, uh, Necropolis has been described as the village of Hamlet followed by the Tomb of Horrors, and I think there are many 
people who said that, that Gary was attempting to um, expand upon Tomb of Horrors when he decided to to to, to write Necropolis. So, and and there are and there are parallels as as have been pointed out to to to, to Alan's um, original, um, but much shorter, obviously, Tomb of Rahotep. Right. Let's and I have so we know that um, both the um, you know Alan's original adventure, which is only three pages long, uh, and had to be sometime like 1974 or something like that, along with the original um, tournament version of Tome of Horrors, which did get run at Origins in 1975, and thankfully um, that was published as part of the Art and Arcana book, a little extra booklet here with the that original Tome of Horrors and uh, Alan Lucian's original adventure there. It kind of inspired Gary on this path. Uh, great, great product again. Guess who participated in the production of Art and Arcana? Of course, John Peterson, of course. Thanks again. Uh, th thanks again, John. Great, great uh, support service to the, the all the D&D historians out there. So we, we've you, always John. been interested in this. And, you know, if you look back, uh, Paul just looked up the fact that the, the fifth show that we ever did here at Wandering DMs was a chat about Tomb of Horrors and how you could use it and stuff like that, so people could look that up. So um, we, we had this discussion on the point that you just brought up, Mark, of Necropolis, at least the final tomb, being uh, Gary's expansion on the whole Tomb of Horrors ideas. And I, I myself said, I think, it's, I think it's supposed to be like even worse. It's supposed to be even more challenging, even more dangerous. And Tomb of Horrors, and that kind of spawned a little bit of a discussion on Facebook where we had uh, another friend of the show, Angela Black, asked, when you say it's even worse or it should top it, how do you mean, Dan? Do you mean by body count? Do you mean by challenge level? Do you mean inventiveness? And then uh, Frank Menser uh, popped in and said, undeniably, body count. <laughs> Barry's intent was to have an even higher body count particularly in number of unexpected surprise deaths. Um, does that does that match how your your reading of Gary's Necropolis mark or do you have a different um, takeaway from it? I think I think I think I think Frank may be exaggerating a bit in that. Um, I mean, you know, clearly clearly Gary's original is is very deadly. Um, and like Tomb of Horrors there are a couple of places, uh, maybe more than a couple where if you do something right, you're successful. And if you do the opposite, uh, you're probably dead. And there may not be any evident way to figure out which is which before you give that thing a try. Um, but, you know, Tomb of Horrors to me, we were talking about this earlier, is it, 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 it's great for a tournament in the sense that you're not taking beloved characters into it. You're not necessarily planning on succeeding. Your goal is to get as far as possible and to get further than anybody else with the recognition that if you actually do make it to the last room, and I don't know how you would, but if you do make it to the last room, you're probably going to die there. But you might win the tournament because you're the only people who made it that far. Um, you know, so, so I think as a tournament, it works really, really well. Necropolis, at least in my conceptualization, is not supposed to be a tournament. You know, it, it is supposed to be something where you've presumably spent with these characters a lot of time getting them to the land of Kemet, exploring this village, overland encounters, going through all sorts of stuff. It's a necropolis. That's the name of it. 
it's a city of the dead. There are tombs to explore. So you've probably spent, you may have spent months with these characters, if not more. And it really is intended to start, and it was challenging to figure out, frankly, what the right starting level was. But you know, you're already reasonably high level when you start this adventure. You know, I think you've got to be somewhere between 7th and ninth level to even begin this when you arrive at the locality. And by the time you're, you're you know, done, you could be 13th or 14th level if you've succeeded, depending upon how it plays out. So these, these are potentially, you know, characters. And so I'm not a big fan of killing off characters just because, you know, a random event occurs. You know, um, the party should be able to figure out the solutions if they're careful. Now, you decide to walk down the corridor and you're not checking for traps, it's kind of your fault, I guess. You know, you know you're going into a, a tomb and you better treat it with respect. Um, that being said, I think this is an extraordinarily deadly, even if you play well. And I, one of my play tests was, um, I, I played a number of sections through with my home group. This is a group I'm very familiar with. They're familiar with me. Um, and the last encounter we played out, we actually had to stop because it was like midnight and somebody had to go to bed. Um, and, and, and this was on Zoom because it was in the middle of the, of the pandemic. It wasn't in person. Uh, but um, I think it was going to be a TPK. You know, we didn't finish it, but at that point, they might have pulled it off. Uh, and they but there was an excellent chance they wouldn't have. And that was with really good play, thoughtful. Um, they just got themselves into a bad situation. Um, and, you know, that happens. So this is still an extraordinarily deadly adventure, uh, which, and, and for what it's worth, as, as people have said, that's a little more challenging sometimes in, in 5e than it was in, in, in earlier editions. But, so that aspect has definitely been preserved. Uh, although I, I did have to make a lot of changes to the the adventure. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that. That those system issues actually. So I, I'm surprised sure. to hear you say this part is more deadly in fifth edition. So maybe maybe tell me tell tell us at least some of the the rules that would impact it, and also like what system yeah. did, did you use to actually play test it? Um, well, um, I I went with five e. And that's largely because I've actually converted my home campaign to a 5e campaign. That's what I've been playing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm one of the guys who started with the um, with the uh, the Holmes box set back in the uh, the ancient days, and played AD and D for almost my entire life. Yep, there it is. Which has the most evac the the, the, the Tower of of Zenobis right. is so. Evocative. Everything I've ever done, I think, as a DM, can can be traced to reading that description of the tower. You know, near the city with the necropolis nearby, the, the cemetery nearby, and the ruins of of an ancient city. I mean, I've I've you know that that is that's for me that's the beginning. I played AD and D most of my my life. Uh, we did um, segue off to Rollmaster for those who know that system, oh, wow. system okay. of system of many charts. Um, and then at some point uh, after Five E came out, I decided, you know what, I want to be able to play with more people. And Five E seemed to seem to route, route to go. So I developed this for Five E, which was a challenge. I would have to say, um, I, 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 you know, uh, I hope nobody from, you know. Watsi is, is going to listen to this, but um, 
I, I think the CR challenge rating system is totally broken. I started by trying to use that to figure out how to power the encounters, and it totally broke. It just didn't work. So what I ended up doing, frankly, was look at the manuscript, figure out what the basic, you know, what's being described, and I converted that into 5e terms as best I could, making it a pure 5e type of, of, of adventure, and then um, sort of at that point, figure out, okay, well, then what level character could, could survive this? And I discovered a number of places where, 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 where Gary had, had, had clearly designed encounters where you'd have one incredibly hard encounter that would challenge, like, 12th level characters. And the next one, you know, you know sixth level characters would wipe the floor with, with the encounter. And it just, there was just a lot of, 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 of unbalancing. Um, in how it was written. So I, I really had to rebalance things and rethink how to set this so that it, it will be of increasing challenge to a party. The other thing, frankly, is, is there are aspects of 5e that I, you don't know before you have your party assembled. Uh, and the, be the best right. example I've got is, do you have a pallet in your party? Because if you've got a paladin in your party, everybody within 10 feet at a high enough level is going to get a bonus to saves. And that bonus can be quite high. Hmm. You know, that makes a huge difference if everybody in the party effectively or the majority of the party is getting a plus two, plus three, plus four to saves. Or if they're not. Mm -hmm. That's a huge difference. And so trying to set some of those things. So actually what I ended up doing was where I found places like that where I felt that there was a potential breakdown depending upon how your party is organized, I usually threw it through in a DM note and just said, you know, look, if, if your party is really getting beaten up here because of X, Y, or Z, you know, you may want to use your discretion. You know, I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I'm going to play this, this adventure just as it's written because I want my, my party to, to have to solve exactly this adventure. I wrote this thing. You know, I'm no better than, 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 than you guys or any other DM. The fact that I wrote something doesn't mean that's the right way to play it. You know your party be, you know, far better than I ever possibly could. And I think it's up to every DM to, 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 to look at this and, you know, make it work for them and for, and for their players so that it's fun. You know, it, you, know, you, walk into the, you, know uh, you walk into the first room, the ceiling collapses, and everybody dies. It's not any fun for anybody, right? You know, it's just not. Um, Mark, know, let I, me I, ask I, I you, Mike, as, as someone who hasn't, hasn't read, I haven't read Necropolis, but I'm fairly well versed in Tomb of Horrors. One of the things that jumps out at me about Tomb of Horrors is that I believe there are exactly two fights in the entire thing, two monsters you can possibly fight, and the rest is all just crazy traps. Right. You know, there's 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 a lot of it, it, what makes this fun in my view is there's a huge mix. So you yeah. start off you start off in a village, and and, and you got to role play. You know, there's information that you really need to get early on, and if you're not role playing, you know characters. If you treat everybody like a threat, and you try to kill everybody you meet or you say, I ignore the town, we go straight, you know, we're not going to do anything else. We're just going to, you're going to miss a huge amount, not only of the fun, frankly, in my view, because that's a large part of what this is, but you're going to miss a lot of clues and information and you're going to make it a lot harder for you later on. That doesn't mean you're not going to succeed, but, but you're, 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 it's going to be a lot harder. So there's a lot of role playing. 
there's a lot of combat encounters, frankly, all the way through. You know, I wanted okay. that to be the case. That being said, there's also a lot of traps. And, you know, whether you call them tricks or not, there are a lot of places that are very deadly uh, because that's how it was set up. Uh, but so there's in, also in, a, there's a lot of combat. In, in terms of that, in terms of making fifth edition very challenging and very deadly, I'm curious how you found the traps went and like, uh, you know, were you able to put traps in there that are really going to potentially wipe out whole party members at that power level? Uh, that was uh, kind of difficult in fifth. I so some in some places it, it was challenging. Um, mm. There, you know, it's unlikely that a whole party is going to be eliminated by any single trap. A large part of this, frankly, is the some of it's the wearing down of the party, some of it's the using up of magic. Um, mm -hmm. There are some really severe combats, and some of those follow traps that may have inflicted some damage as well. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, there, there, um, th there's a couple that I could think of that really could wipe out a good part of the party pretty quickly if they're not being thoughtful. If they're being thoughtful, you know, it might really, really maim or possibly kill one party member. But, you know, as long as you're not sort of all saying, hey, let's all go jump into that black sphere. And no, there is not a black sphere in this one. It's just not going to tell you right now. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you know, but, but you know, it's, it's, as I said, these are, these should be high level beloved characters. The goal here is not to say, you know, oh, there's a lever on the wall. And this is sort of some of the classic old school stuff, um, you know, attributed to Gary and, you know, folks like, uh, like Jim Ward, who I love, uh, you know, I, 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 you walk into a room, you know, an 8,000 pound block of stone blocks you in, you're trapped in the room, there's a lever on the wall, you can push it up or push it down. If you push it up, the, uh, the door opens. If you push it down, uh, the ceiling immediately falls and everybody dies, no save. And there's no way to figure out which way is which. Right. You just have to guess. Right. And there's right. no saving point where you can go back. <laughs> you know, I, I think those are, you know, those aren't, A, they're, I don't find those fun. And B, I don't mm -hmm. think they're, they're, they're reasonable things. Now, it might be that if you look at the lever, you'll be able to figure out. Or maybe there was a clue you heard earlier that will help you figure it out. There has to be a way... So there's only a few places where I sort of left Gary's, um, you know, uh, you know, there's no way to figure it out, and you just got to experiment, and bad things might happen. But those are also things that are not, they're not going to wipe out the whole party, and even if they do severely affect one player, it's not the kind of thing where, where that player is likely to be eliminated. Um, more likely than not, but, you know, as I said, it's, 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 it's hard to say. There, there are some... I, I, I actually enjoyed creating a number of the very challenging traps in here because I did take some of the things that Gary did, and I said, I'm not going to do that. I want to do something different. And Got so I, I, changed, I, I changed it up. Cool. cool. Um, you know, the, the other thing I'll say that, that really jumps out at me about Tomb of Horrors, I'm curious how much of this you retained, is that a lot of those rooms that have very elaborate tricks or traps in them uh, included handouts with very... Uh, very attractive artwork. In mm -hmm. fact, Tomb of Horrors jumps out at me as one of the original modules that has the most artwork right, that's right. meant to be player-facing. Right. 
Uh, how much of that did you carry forward? Or in general, can you tell us a little bit yeah. about the art in Necropolis? Yeah, well, and I'll say this is one of the, the, the parts that I, I think people who, who aren't on the creative side, um, this is one of the things that when I started doing this, I, I just found a blast, which is I get to envision something. I get to write something. And then I, I hand it off to Casey Christofferson, who is our uh, the, the, the Frog God Necromancer Games art director. And you know, I said, this is what I'm looking for. I want it to look like this. And in a few cases, uh, you know, and, and this is a horrifying concept, I, I did my own hand sketch of what I wanted. Um, and I will tell you that, you know, I, I'm a pretty good writer, I think. I'm a pretty good map, you know, cartographer, I think. Um, I, I, I'm like stick figures when it comes to <laughs> art. I'm, I, I can't do it. Um, and so I'd come up with this thing, and I'd send it to, to Casey, and then Casey would find the right artist, and, you know, sometimes I would just get it back, or sometimes I would get some initial sketches that I'd approve, and then I'd, I'd, I'd go back. And th then I'd have something in, in my hands, and it's like, I'd have one of two reactions. It was either, this is exactly what I envisioned. This is incredible. Come to life what I had envisioned. Um, or my other reaction would be, this isn't what I envisioned. It's cooler than what I envisioned, and i got to go back and rewrite something to make this work. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of art. Uh, there already was a lot of art in the original, uh, mm -hmm. but other than the cover, it was all black and white. So this is an all-color book, and so the art that we've been seeing scrolling through as we've been talking in, in the corner there, um, all yep. that is brand new, um, mostly not spoilery. I keep, I, I keep warning the guys when they put these things up, that could be a spoiler, but you know, the, the art's too cool not to, not to share, and hopefully <laughs> you know, people won't realize what it is until, until they're already behind uh, upon you but uh, it's all going to be there and um you know not every single encounter because frankly this is too big i mean you know there would have been hundreds of pieces of artwork if we had done absolutely everything um tomb of horrors is concise enough that you can sort of have almost everything with art uh you know the, the book would be twice as big as it would be if we did that much and it would be totally uneconomical to, to produce. Uh, but there's a lot of new art, and it's really awesome. There's also, a, um, we also redid all the cartography. Robert Altbauer and uh, Alyssa Faden did all new cartography. And uh, uh, Alyssa has done the, um, uh, the purported tomb at the end. Uh, she actually was streaming it uh, as she was working on it. And... Um, there are so many Easter eggs in that thing, I cannot tell you. It is a blast <laughs> to just look at it uh, on the computer and then, and then you know, expand it out so you can see exactly <laughs> what, 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 what she hid. In fact, um, there's one area, Gary had a couple areas that I thought were really bland, frankly. Um, that it was, I, I, I get the sense that he ran out of ideas. Um, and in one of them, there, there's, there, there, there's sort of... Um, Okay, uh, small spoiler warning. Close your ears if you don't want to hear it. There's, 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 a, um, there's a bit of a maze in one area. And it was just a maze. It didn't have really any rooms in it. I and, was going to uh, ask about this, actually. I'm glad you're bringing this up, Mark. Oh, sure. So, 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 so um, uh, Alyssa threw a couple rooms in there with, with a couple of things in them. 
and I and I, I called her up and I said, "What's that? <laughs> what were you intending me to do with this?" And she said, "She said, I don't know. I just thought it was boring, and I wanted to add some stuff." And so. I looked at it. I looked at what she put in there, and she put some things in there with no explanation. And so I wrote encounters based upon what she had put in those rooms. Uh, you know, one of them made almost no sense, and it took a little bit. And then I had a brilliant idea. I know. I this is what it's what it is, and uh, that was actually a lot of fun because one of the issues, frankly, in the the writing side is you tend to sit at a computer screen, typing away, staring at yourself. Um, all the time, and uh, the collaboration with Alyssa was actually a lot of fun. I would go on her her Twitch or YouTube channel, and I'd make comments like, "No, no, no, you, you forgot the door on the left." <laughs> uh, but it was a lot. It, it was a lot, it, it was really fun working with her and, and you know collaboratively to figure out uh, to add a, to add a couple things. Um, I didn't do that you with know, everything, but a yeah. DM can 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 play with other stuff too. You know, we, we said before the show that uh, when, when Paul and I, when, when I was working in video games, that interaction between designer and artist is what was my single favorite thing about working in games, frankly. And to come yep. up, just exactly like Mark just said, to come up with some kind of text design, hand it off to an artist and come back with something so much better than I had visualized. And I've, you know, I've done that with our friend Isabel at one game job. And I did that with our friend BJ at another game job. And that was frankly the very best thing. And just as a little bit of a tangent, uh, a friend of the show, Ash, who's one of our great patrons, uh, uh, pointed out to me a while back, a retrospective of Diablo. And so just last night I was listening to the main designer of Diablo talk about the last cutscene, whereby the person's, uh, the, the main character has defeated Diablo and then they have a little chat about it and they take the magic gem with the, the soul stone and jam it in their own head is the last thing that you see to curse themselves. And he was saying, we didn't write that. We didn't plan on that. <laughs> we had an outside firm doing the cutscenes, and it came back and we were like, we were sitting around the PC going, what was that? <laughs> what was that? And they had a huge debate about whether that was, whether that was intended or not. And it certainly wasn't. They did, finally decided this is cooler than what we personally <laughs> came up with. And now we're going to write that into the lore and the backstory. So it's kind of an ongoing theme. And I'm really glad that you, you and Alyssa had that same, that same kind of magical, you know, creative interaction yes. with like two people is just so nice. We, we're big fans of Alyssa's work and we wanted to have her on today as well, but she was busy. So hopefully we'll get on her another time as a matter of fact. So is the layout, is the, is the layout that Alyssa did? I mean, so of course I, I recognize that part from, uh, the, 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 the earlier versions of Necropolis, is it basically pretty close to the same layout or did she, did she have no, she, additional she, flourishes past that? She, she kept with a couple, only a few exceptions. The, the, the layouts are the same. I mean, you know, the, 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 okay. the mission here was not to, you know, you know, you know, Bill Webb didn't say to me, Hey Mark, Necropolis, come up with your own adventure. Okay. It was, it was take this one, update it. But revise it to the extent that I wanted to, which was a really awesome amount of discretion I had. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, you know, uh, it is still the same basic plot, but some aspects are actually quite different. Um, if somebody has read the prior versions and doesn't tell the DM and thinks that they're going to be able to blow through this, they may be surprised and disappointed. Um, I tried to create some motivations where I thought 
they were unclear as to why somebody might do things. I also tried to explain one of the things that, that I've, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, while I'm generally old school, there is that sense of, you know, while I don't necessarily have to know exactly how oxygen gets into the, the, the temple, <laughs> uh, I, I, I do want to understand why certain things are happening. And mm -hmm. you know, in the original, there are certain places where there are things in there that are like, you know, who sabotaged the, the tomb? You know, I don't understand why this would be the case. And so I tried to build in explanations for why that would be the case and try to expand upon that. So there's things that, frankly, the players may never figure out, ever. But the DM reading it will understand why certain things are the way they are, which helps when the, when the party goes off script, right? You know, you know, the party does something that you just have, you know, that I couldn't imagine you know, nobody else would have imagined they do something. What does it mean? What happens? Well, if you understand the motivations and the background, it's much easier to improv when you're a DM and figure out, okay, well, if they do that, then this should happen. Uh, that's 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 uh, part of what I tried to build into the 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 adventure that I felt like like Tomb of Horrors. You know, why did a Sarak bother? If you really wanted to be left alone. Why didn't he just seal the damn thing? Why didn't he just collapse the whole tomb if you just wanted to be left alone? You know, there has to be a motivation. And so I, I tried to build that in. And even if you never figure it out as a party, you know, I, I, I think it helps um, the DM run, you know, uh, run the game. But yeah, it, I'm it, glad it was, to hear uh, that because I, I was wondering, I mean, it, it's kind of a classic Gygaxian trope to have sections of the dungeon that the players probably will never find or backstory they'll probably never find out about. And in some circles, that's, you know, kind of frowned upon nowadays. And on the other hand, I feel like kind of takes a lot of moral courage to do that design element and only have one in 20 parties possibly find it. So I was kind of wondering how much of that, you know, possibly undiscovered backstory would be maintained. And the other thing I'm personally excited about this is you know, the tradition, because I've seen some people that might possibly, you know, have their feathers ruffled at the idea of revising such an iconic adventure as Gygax's Necropolis. Like, how dare you, how dare you touch that? It's like you're, it's like you're uh, touching up the Mona Lisa. Um, and, but for me, it's like, you know, uh, you know, Dangerous Journeys was not really a game system that I got into a whole heck of a lot you know, third edition goes in a slightly different direction. And at least having a version now with the swords and wizardry system is actually as close um, to, you know, classic or first edition. So if I'm interested in running BX or first edition, I feel like me picking up the swords and wizardry version would be the closest thing that has existed to my preferred game system, frankly. So I'm really happy about that. How does that come through in the product, Mark, is there is there one book that supports both fifth edition swords and wizardry, or do you have two different documents for that? Now, they're 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 going to be two different books okay. um, because there's just there is just no way to do both. Um, you, you know, we, we, I've I've tried to avoid stat blocks. I think the style to avoid stat blocks in the in the text and put them all at the end is that's how people are doing it um mm -hmm. and so that's how 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 we're doing it in 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 5e uh, i'm not quite sure uh the uh there's a separate person who's going to be converting it over to to swords and wizardry 
so they may choose differently but you know the formatting is different there's you, know, you, you don't want to have duplicates so there are they're going to be two different books uh, they'll be formatted differently but the substance is exactly the same the maps are the same the arts the same um, but you know it, it will be two different books so as part of the Kickstarter you can pick I want 5e I want swords and wizardry, and um, at the end, you'll be able to use the uh, we fulfill through the, the the Necromancer Games website or through I think it's uh, Drive Through RPG, and um, you can pick if you want to get an you know as an add-on an extra copy of the book. So if you want both of them, uh, th th I think there there are some levels where you do get both automatically. But if you don't, you just want to back at the lowest level, but you want a copy of, of, of the other version of the book, you can, you can get it. Uh, because it is, it, it, it's surprising, and again, as a, somebody who's coming at this um, relatively late in life, the layout process is very complicated, as you could imagine, trying to make things fit naturally on a page, and the, the systems are just different. Um, okay. So, okay. Were you, you thinking, get both. I mean, I got it. I, that's that, that's I'm really interested in, in hearing that actually, and so I think I can kind of guess what the answer to the next question is. But one one of our colleagues, uh, Ample, but who goes by the name Ample Framework on the original D and D seventy four forums, uh, wanted me to ask you: Were you thinking about like is there a challenge in balancing a particular encounter for multiple game systems? Were you thinking were you, were you thinking in advance like this is going to work really well in fifth edition, but it's going to be trouble in Swords and Wizardry? How are you balancing that to give a, a common uh, theme to the work? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I, I don't know that there really is that much of a challenge. I mean, obviously, you've got to think through the stats, right? I mean, there's no question that, that you have to sort of properly balance that. And you can't just take, like, oh, you know, your either challenge rating or whatever and say, okay, well, this is the equivalent of, 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 of hit dice in swords and wizardry that doesn't work and, and armor classes don't necessarily work so they, you do have to balance it but fundamentally if you think about it and, and and maybe you know maybe i'm just being um optimistic to some extent but you know when you think about it the kinds of creatures that you would have faced as a first level character in ad and d or bx and the same, the kinds of creatures you're facing in 5e at first level, or compare 5th to 5th, or compare 10th to 10th. They're kind of the same creatures in many ways. You know, you're facing off on a couple of, 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 of orcs when you're first level, and maybe you graduate to, to an ogre when you're second level. A lot of it's parallel. It really is. And... You know, it, it takes work, and it is. I'm not, I'm not going to suggest it's easy to do this, but fundamentally, as I was thinking about it, because like I said, I'm an AD&D person, you know, to the core, uh, but they sort of parallel. That was why I actually was surprised in a couple of places where Gary had written something for a party that had gone through a huge amount of stuff and had fought really tough creatures. And then it says, you know, and then there's, you know, the party's attacked by five mummies. And, and you know, by this point, you're probably 11th level. You know, five mummies attack your party. Actually, yeah. party, the, 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 the party to, you know, when the party flees from the mummies, they go down this cord. I'm like, 11th level characters are not fleeing from five mummies. The, the cleric's <laughs> holding up a, 
you know, the holy symbol and it's van and they're vanishing or they're or they're going into combat. That's not going to happen. And so there were a few places where I actually felt the original was strangely misbalanced in the encounters. And so I really had to play around with that and, and find ways. But to be honest with you, I didn't feel like it was that much of a challenge because fundamentally the kinds of monsters you can face as a 10th level player in AD&D are not that different from the kinds of creatures you're facing as a 10th level 5e player. You've got to scale what it means and how you parallel it. And Gary created a lot of monsters, uh, and they're carried through here, that are brand new. You know, they're not. They're, they're not from any of the existing products. So I think, I think, I think Frog God has put them in in some of the Tome of Horrors. But, right. You know, a lot of them. A lot of them are brand new. And yeah, so you're going to have to scale it appropriately. But it was actually less of a challenge to do that um, than it was to just make sure that it would be a challenge for, you know, for you know, five E characters at the appropriate level. So, right. you know, it's funny because I've run into that, like when I when I ran uh, Alan Lucian's original um, Tomb of Rehotep, I, I ran into that because, okay, spoiler alert, the last encounter has five mummies that jump out at you. And I was like, this is this is a major encounter in the, uh, the, the players. And I, I, you know, I'm very literal. I'm very OCD. And I run things by the book the first time. And then I realized, well, that what was I doing? And the players kind of carve through the mummies pretty fast there in the last encounter. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I guess I should dig into that because the um, it wasn't until this weekend that I realized that the kernel of the layout to Necropolis, the final tomb of Necropolis, is very similar to Alan Lucian's original dungeon. I, 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 no one had pointed that out to me before. I didn't have, you know, Alan Lucian's original until just last right. year. So far more so than Tomb of Horrors, it kind of has this spine that is very similar to Alan, Alan's original. And then Gary had additional expanded areas kind of around it. And of course, yeah. the, the specific encounters are, are very different. Yeah, no, um, there, there, there definitely is that core yeah. of the beginning of, again, spoiler alert, uh, yeah. Uh, in Necropolis, the the, the, the tomb of, of Rahotep or Rahotep, um, the it isn't the beginning, but there is a section that is very similar. Now, I would note that I actually ended up uh, changing some things from that that were, I think, more similar in the original, and I changed some things because I found, um, well, for various reasons, I decided to change things without intentionally trying to deviate. It just I, I didn't like the way they were set up, and so I, I, I made changes. But there is that, that one section that is really very, very parallel. There's no question about that. Yeah. So I mean, a little, um, so I don't know. So now I don't know if this is a spoiler for for your version on Kickstarter, Mark. But in both Alan's original and you know Gary's Necropolis, there are particular, very sinister uses of pits and spears and cobras and secret passages. And uh, I was kind of kind of marveling at how how um, consistent that was. What were and I guess this was a question I got a, a couple times before the show. Actually, like Alan Groey asked this, um, and uh, I think some and I think um, Michael Rooney on Facebook also asked this: Is what of all these prior sources that pre-exist at this point? Alan's version, Tumahar's. Gary's Necropolis, the Necromancer version. What were you relying on as a source to look at the most? Well, I started with 
the um, with the uh, the Necromancer games version. That was the manuscript that I was given okay. in Word. So, okay. you know, that, by definition, that was what I started. I will tell you that you probably aren't going to find more than half a dozen sentences that haven't changed. I really did heavily edit it, but that was clearly what I started with. Um, I, I didn't have Alan's work in mind at all. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure. I mean, I, I, I owned uh, the book, but I'm not sure I'd ever really focused on it. And I, and I really wasn't thinking about Tomb of Horrors at all either, to be honest. I, I felt that um, there were already enough parallels that Gary had built in. So it was really taking a look at what Gary had done in the original and saying, you know, A, if I convert it, what is that going to be like? And then in, in some places, you know, um, I, I, like I said, I felt that there were some rooms that, that were not very well fleshed out. Gary, um, and this is probably, this is partly a spoiler, but anybody who's ever played any of Gary's adventures knows that this is the case. He, he loved teleportation. You know, he loved teleporters. There's a, there was a lot of teleportation in his version. There's just a little bit left because I felt that it was that it was overused and uh, I wanted to do some some different things with it instead but it some of it is still there because you know in in homage to the original but others uh, th there are a couple rooms I completely re-envisioned I took what he did and I said okay I'm gonna do something totally different with this with this room and that's what I went with uh, but that was really the process it was really mainly looking at and if you look at the at, at the third edition version and compare it to the the dangerous journeys version they're very very similar different systems obviously right. Right. language is is very very similar between the two it, it was it was a it was a close conversion with a little bit of expansion um you know and, and modification but right. it was it was really the you know that was really really what i started with and i tried not to mimic anything else in particular Cool, cool. And of course, that original Necromancer version was done by Bill Webb and Clark Peterson, if I recall correctly. Um, Correct. So, and it, you know, it makes sense to me, right, if this is presented as the end of a big campaign, right, a big, sizable campaign that spans a whole nation and has multiple mysteries. And of course, we're mostly focused on this one tomb at the end. But there's multiple other tombs, if I recall, in the Highland areas and multiple other temples that um, if, you've, if you've developed your characters to this extent that you're no longer in a situation of a one-off throwaway tournament, it certainly makes sense to me to want to give it more nuance and texture um, in the final event. And of course, yeah. we also and, know... And you know yeah. you, you could not run the tomb as a... I, I, uh, when I, I play tested it a couple times for Frog Guide Game Days, and I think I can't. I think I, I, I think we had was it? A, I think it was a six-hour block to play, and we probably got maybe I don't know fifteen percent right. if we were lucky right. through it. This is right. not the kind of thing you. It, it's it's it is you know Alan's you could do in a four-hour session, I think. Uh, is is a pretty straightforward tournament. The, you know, so if anybody thinks that that, that 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 the final area here is is small, it's it's not. It's 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 much much bigger. Agreed. And we so if if uh, and there's a link in the description on YouTube. But when we you know had the good fortune of hosting the Web DM people to run Alan's version last Halloween, I just barely right. squeezed it into four hours running. I I you know I had to accordion a couple things 
Right. And I could just barely get it into four hours, frankly. So that, and this is clearly a much, much larger adventure and just a much larger tomb <laughs> at the end. Paul has right. seen me struggle to get the time right on these adventures over and over again. So um, uh, you, you, Paul knows very well how, how, how often I've struggled to, uh, to make that work. Is, is that <laughs> yeah. something you considered, Mark, in, in your version? Do you, like, are you assuming that it's campaign play and that, that the, the players have infinite time to deal with it? Or are you thinking about pacing and, and like how, where, where maybe giving suggestions of where the DM can cut or manipulate for, for the sake of time? You know, I, I think this is a hard one to decide you're, that you're going to cut because, you know, mm-hmm. first of all, there's so many aspects to the adventure. You know, you know, could, could you, but now that being said, if somebody wanted to take the tomb or take, you know, uh, the, the necropolis itself and, and sort of drop part of it into their own, there's a lot of encounters. There's, there's a whole bunch of, 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 of small tombs that are described and information on creating your own tombs if you want. So you could take some of this stuff and, and, and do what you will with it. Um, but you know, I, I really, you know, this is one where I think if you want to really play it the way it was intended, it's really part of a campaign. It really should be, um, you know, uh, it, it, it just, you know, this does not uh, lend itself to saying, yeah, this is just a one-off. Hey, let's, let's for the next two weeks, let's play Necropolis. It's just not going to work. I mean, you could uh, let me rephrase that. You could do it, but you're doing mm. something different, right? You're 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 just taking some encounters and you're dropping them, or you're just playing them for fun. I mean, my, that's what my play tests were, right? I mean, I just I play tested certain areas to see how the mm. party would would how the players would 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 react. Um, but this really is designed to be, as I said, I I think it would be months of game time unless you're literally, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe back in quarantine, you could have gotten it done faster because nobody was <laughs> leaving their homes. But you know, uh, it's 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 a big one, and 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 I and I think that's what makes it fun. You know, that's yeah. you know, we've all played a large number of the you know quasi medieval Europe high fantasy games, and this is different. It's set in an Egyptian area which is different, um, but not so different that you're trying to figure out everything, right? We all have a good sense for who, you know, Ra and Horus and Osiris and Set and Anubis are. We, we all have a basic yeah. sense. Now, there's yeah. a lot in here that Gary built in, and then there was one section that I decided to completely, I say complete, but I, I changed it heavily from what he had written. And so I had to dig into Egyptian mythology to try to replace what he had done with something that was at least sort of true to the spirit of what he had tried to create. Uh, but it's it's fun to do something a little different. And I think trying to do it as a one-off or let's play this for a couple of weeks, you could do it, but then you're, you're doing, you're, you know, the DM's using the material for other purposes. You're borrowing it. Right, right. Nice. We are running up here on the on the end of our hour, Mark. I'm curious: is there anything that we didn't get to? Anything you want to highlight from from Necropolis that we haven't managed to squeeze in yet? Actually, I think you guys have done a phenomenal job of hitting like all of the big points of 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 this. Like I said, I think this is uh, I think people should have a lot of fun with it. Um, it. It is an interesting mix of both sort of old school but updated because I am an old school guy. But 
you know, I like a lot of role playing and I like a lot of flexibility and I don't like it when, when, when characters feel like they're being railroaded. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think this is one where there's a lot of party or party, party autonomy. On the other hand, if, if you decide to do some things totally out of order, you're probably going to be in trouble. You know, there is, there is some, you know, aspect to that, but I think, I think, um, hopefully people enjoy it. It's, um, it's a chance to bring a classic, uh, the way I describe it is an old school adventure uh, into the, you know, sort of the, 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 the more modern view of how to play it. And uh, I, I enjoyed writing it and I enjoyed DMing it. And I think the players enjoyed playing it. So hopefully everybody will go out and back it and have a, have a good time with it. Awesome. That sounds great. You know, let me pitch two things that we, I mean, this, and, and Mark, what a, what a great guest. I personally could talk with Mark for just hours and hours, I can tell already. Um, and so we, you know, Mark has touched on a couple of things that are our favorites. Uh, you know, the writer John Peterson has been on the show a couple of times, and you might look for interviews that we've had with him before. Um, we mentioned the uh, Tower of Xenopus adventure in the, uh, the first ever basic D&D set. That's a huge favor to Mark and mine. Uh, last season, we had on Zach Howard, who keeps a, a blog called the Xenopus Archives, all about Holmes Basic. And uh, Zach made a fifth edition update to Tower of Xenopus. And you can get that on DriveThruRPG, and you can look for that episode where we interviewed Zach about that. And the other thing, a lot of Tomb of Horrors tough stuff going around this week, is that friend of the show, Steve Buckley, just two days ago wrote an article and steve is the leader of the uh team that appeared in C in episode one of the big bad our live play tournament last year love steve's work and so he wrote an article for cracked.com on the most epic uh encounters in tomb of horrors welcome to the tomb of horrors and personally i love how he writes it it's very educated i got to chat with him a little bit about it and it cites both he, he cites both me and also Max, who plays on Paul's show uh, Monday night. And so we'd also recommend that our viewers look for the uh, the cracked article on Tomb of Horrors that just went up yesterday. And I think that's great, too. So um, keep that in mind. And, and but most of all, go look for the uh, Necromancer version of Necropolis. It's on Kickstarter right now. Great product. Some of us say Gary's work would really help from us to be helped by a strong editor. You know, maybe someone like Tim Cast or Mark Greenberg. So and this actually might be the version we've been waiting for, possibly. Eh? I hope guess. so. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the uh, evolution of Tomb of Horrors from uh, Tomb of Rahotep through Necropolis, um, and, uh, or if you're just looking for that link to the... Um, Necropolis uh, Kickstarter current, currently live. We've got you know, about 13 days left, I believe. Uh, check out the description here of the video. Leave us some comments about uh, what you think, and uh, tell us, uh, you know, uh, what to, what further questions we managed to not answer that you would love to see us cover in future shows. Yeah, maybe we'll and get anybody has any... to talk about. Our... Yeah, go ahead, Mark. If anybody has any questions, I do try to monitor the comments in the Kickstarter and. Um... If you are ba a backer, you can, I think you can back it like a buck. You can ask questions and I can't answer the business questions, but I'll try to answer everything else that I possibly can. Awesome. Awesome. 
Awesome. And maybe we'll try, we'll attempt to get Alyssa on and talk about cartography, but you know, maybe this and other projects that she does, she does all kinds of great stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll look for that as well. Fantastic. Now, remember, if you are new to the Wandering DMs channel, don't forget that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us on a, a bunch of different social media. We are on YouTube. We are on Twitch. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we're also on GitHub. So please look for us on those sites. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs and you can uh, follow us and find uh, upcoming projects and guests like uh, people like Mark coming in the future. Uh, if you right. prefer to hey. listen to our show as audio-only podcasts, uh, you can get those on our website at wanderingdms.com. You can also find them on carriers such as Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, if you are listening to our show from one of those third-party carriers, please take a moment to rate and review us on their site. Uh, that helps other fans find our show, and we really appreciate it. We really do. And, you know, last thing I got to give out as always is huge, huge thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering DM shows. Uh, if you're in a position where you'd like to join them and support uh, this, our, uh, our uh, miniature war game play test that we run Saturday nights, the D&D uh, Warhammer mashup that Paul runs Monday nights, uh, please go to uh, patreon.com slash wandering DMs. You'll see a couple different tiers and benefits like discounts on merch, access to our private Discord server, monthly behind the scenes videos, polls and surveys, and after party chat that we hold on Discord with our patrons right after our Sunday show. So we'll be there in about five to 10 minutes or so. Paul, you'll be back uh, Monday night, 8 p.m. with uh, more 10 Dead Rats, is that right? I, I will indeed, that's awesome. the plan. <laughs> so uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, yeah, Paul, Dan, thank you so much for, for sharing the, uh, the last hour uh, with me. I really appreciate it, it was great. Awesome. Yeah, what what a wonderful guest. We can, again, I could I just want to talk with Mark all day, uh, but remember we are live every Sunday at one p.m. Eastern time. So we do hope you'll come back and join us again next week for another thought provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>